Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 56. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary on January 29th, and this is the second episode of the third year of the podcast. In case you missed the memo, starting this year, because of our hectic schedules, we're going to do one episode a month for the Pictures of Lily podcast. Each episode will post on the second Wednesday of the month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. This episode is based on 25 years of experiences with the British band Sway. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with Suede, or as they were forced to call themselves in the U.S., the London Suede. Suede first came to my attention in 1993, about a year after I started writing about music. Suede caught everyone's attention as their music, their lyrics, their presentation, everything about them was so different to anything else. They were exciting and aspirational, yet seemed completely alien, as in not human, and also next-level sexy. If I'm being perfectly honest, I wasn't as taken with their first album, the self-titled Suede, as everyone else was at the time. But I was definitely taken by the band. According to my file of facts from that year, I saw them play at the Hollywood Colonnade in June. I have no idea where or what this venue is, and I have no recollection of seeing Suede there, but apparently it happened. For the interview I was supposed to do with them the day after the show, which was for my school newspaper, USC's The Daily Trojan, I got invited to a lunch with the band in Orange County. Orange County is not Los Angeles. In fact, it's miles away. But Suede were playing the K-Rock Weenie Roast, which is the big summertime radio show for that influential station, and it takes place in Orange County, so I had to make it work with their schedule. It was absolutely surreal to be sitting at a table having lunch with the guys from Suede. It was surreal to see that they would be eating because, in my mind, they were floating slightly above normal humans, especially Brett Anderson, the vocalist, and Bernard Butler, the guitarist. Bernard was with his girlfriend, who later became his wife, and he was so attentive to her, it was really distracting to me in an almost envious way. I didn't get to do my interview or see Suede perform because I had a time conflict as I was going to San Francisco later that afternoon. Suede's manager, Charlie, took my number and said he would arrange something over the phone. A long time later, I got a call from Charlie, who apologized profusely as the interview never happened. I was in absolute shock to hear from him as I was a very small-time journalist writing for a school paper and Suede were so huge. But Charlie was and is so polite and such a gentleman and diplomatic and whoever was expressing any kind of interest in his band, he was paying attention to. We never did that interview, but my editor Stacy had me write up something for the Daily Trojan about the band based on the music and the already legendary status they had. 
I did get to see Suede play live later that year in October at the Palace, which is now the Avalon in Hollywood. That show I will never forget the initial impact of or anything else about it either. There were burgundy velvet curtains on stage that were pulled closed. Bernard came out from stage left and did a flourishy bow. He and Brett performed The Next Life on piano, and then the curtains came tumbling down and they got into animal nitrate. It was unbelievable. That was the last time I saw Bernard Butler with Suede as he left the following year after their second album, Dogman Star. See you in your next life. When we'll fly away for good. A year and a half later, I saw Suede again, this time at the American Legion Hall. They had gotten so much bigger and their fans were so out of control that it was borderline scary. Charlie saw me, I'm not sure how we connected, but I think he just saw me and pulled me along into the venue with the band which was a good thing because it was difficult to even get near the entrance. I remember him writing something later in reference to the cannon they have positioned outside the American Legion Hall and how he was happy for any kind of crowd control. I saw Brett after the show that night and he looked so jaundiced and unwell, it was really very concerning. He looked completely strung out and that worried me about the future of the band. I ended up talking to Matt Osmond, the bass player, as we had a mutual friend and I drove him back to the hotel they were staying in. I don't remember what it was, but it was a horrible place. There were a lot of people there that were trying to talk to Matt, so I didn't feel like I could usurp his time. But I'm not really friends with anyone in Suede, and there were so many hanger-ons around, and that band has a special brand of fanatical fan that is so hard to take that I didn't really want to be there. At the same time, I was in a hotel room with Suede. I wasn't going to just leave. I gravitated toward Richard Oakes, whom the press called Little Dick at the time. He is the guitarist who Suede brought in after Bernard left. Little Dick was quiet and didn't seem to want to get involved with everyone, which is why I was talking to him. We both didn't want to be there. We talked a little bit more in his hotel room, and he told me he was the only member of Suede who had seen Suede play live, referring to his time as a fan of the band. He was pretty shocked at the fact that he was actually in the band. He was also trying to send a postcard to his girlfriend, which was a huge concern of his, and he asked me a lot of questions about postage and post offices, I knew some of the answers, but not all of them, and I could see he was tensing up, so I left him. The next day, I looked up the post offices near their hotel and called Little Dick's room and gave him directions on how to get there, for which he was very grateful. In 1997, I interviewed Brett in London at the studio where they were recording. I reread my interview, which was for Surface Magazine, their public access issue, which came out spring of 1997. I described Brett scraping dirt from under his fingernails with a pocket knife and saying, Someone like Kurt Cobain looked brilliant looking like a mess. I don't look good. I look like a mess. Brett looked extremely healthy, had good color, and was eating a green apple. I couldn't stop thinking about what a contrast it was from the last time I saw him. I finally told him what I was thinking, but I was a little worried he might get offended by me saying how sick he looked before. But he was totally fine with it and acknowledged that he was not good at that time. I asked him what changed and he told me it was down to Neil Codling, the band's new keyboard player. That Neil was super healthy and had educated Brett on good eating habits and good lifestyle habits. What was great was that Brett had taken Neil's recommendations on board. 
He looked amazing, and he told me he felt miles better. Way back in the day, Suede were credited for creating Britpop. But by the time of that Surface Magazine interview, Brett hated the whole thing. This is what he told me about Britpop. It started out as this life-affirming, incredibly original, vital, brilliant art form and turned into this horrible sort of mutant. Quite a long way away from the original design that I put out. It happens with anything good. As soon as things get popularized, they lose some of their essence. If you think what you do is worthwhile, you've got to make sure you're guarding its essence, what's important about it. There's a song playing on the radio Sky high in the airwaves On the I didn't see Suede play again until 2016, almost 20 years later, at the Corona Capital Festival in Mexico City. I never thought I would see them again, and it was a super awesome surprise. They were tremendous as always. I did start following Neil on Twitter as I noticed he was a voracious reader and would photograph a stack of books he finished each month and post them. I told Brett about following Neil's Twitter for his book recommendations, and Brett said that Neil had a book with him at all times, and that whenever there was a pause in rehearsal, Neil would just go back to reading his book. I don't believe he's on Twitter anymore, which is a shame. I put a like on all the book-related posts of his I saw. After the show, we were in the artist area, and I saw Neil and told my friend Siobhan about his book posts, and she walked up to him and asked, what book are you reading right now? Which caught him by surprise. Then she pointed to me and explained how I told her about his book posts. He said that they were recording, so he didn't have as much time to keep up with his reading. Charlie was with them, and he told me to look out for a new album soon. I did that, and I interviewed Brett again over 20 years later for Under the Radar Magazine's August-September-October 2018 issue for their album, The Blue Hour. Brett was looking very well, just as disarming and intimidating as always, even through FaceTime. He's a married man now and a father living in the country. We talked about how fanatical Suede fans are, and this is what he had to say about that. We were never going to be anyone's fifth favorite band, were we? We were going to be some people's favorite band, many people's least favorite band, and many, many people have never heard of us. It's about creating extreme feelings. I've always loved that tribal feel music can instill in people. I've always seen being in a band as a membership of a club, for which sometimes you have to suffer. That's a scattered snapshot of various experiences with Suede, disjointed and years apart. I watched a lot of Suede videos, old and new, while I was preparing this podcast episode. And I have to say, they still have the same powerful impact they always have had. Seeing Suede now is just as exciting and otherworldly as my first memory of them. Their music holds up over time and all the hype they received when they first came out is absolutely justified. They are amazing. Most of my Suede interviews are only available in print in my house, but my interview with Brett from 2018 is readable at undertheradarmag.com and it is linked at picturesoflily.com. In 
our next episode, I'm going to be talking about my 24 years of friendship and experiences with DJ Optical and by association, his non-exclusive musical partner, Ed Rush. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There's also a Pictures of Lily newsletter which goes out when each podcast episode posts with a bonus newsletter in between that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.